I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lost and Refound Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Yan, and we also have Yvonne here. Hi, Yvonne. Hi. How's your week been? My week has been my week has been pretty good considering it's the second week of 2021 and just getting back into the routine of going back to work after a good long break that I desperately needed, <laughs> um, especially with burnout that typically happens um, with me at the end of the year. And so coming back in fresh uh, 2021 was something that was hot on my mind and going into week two, it was it was a little busy today. But um, I think we're getting back into a good routine. How about you? It's been, I don't know. It's been an interesting 2021 so far. Um, my personal life is fine, um, but I haven't been sleeping well. And I think I'm still reeling from what happened on January 6th. Um, it's just a crazy time that we're living in. And for anyone who's been living under the rock, um, what happened on January 6th was uh, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol. And, you know, I knew something crazy was going to happen, but not to that extent. So it's been, yeah, I don't, I'm still processing and it's just been a crazy time. And I think anybody who thought 2021 was magically going to become a like completely different year than 2020, you're insane because there's so many repercussions from the last four years, especially in 2020. And I think it's going to take a while for us to get back to, I don't want to say normal because I don't know what normal is anymore, but you know, get back to a more calming situation. But anyway, this is not what we're here to talk about today. Today we're talking about steps to maintaining a clean, clutter, and toxin-free home. And I have to admit that every single year I make a goal for my home to be clutter-free and to be clean. And every single year I fail because I am not naturally a neat freak, but I do enjoy um, a clutter-free home. I feel like I can breathe so much better and really helps with my anxiety. So I'm really excited to have Kate from Clean Bee with us today. I need her to <laughs> inspire me so I can finally have a clutter-free home in 2021. Please help me welcome Kate to the podcast. Hi, Kate. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I know you are busy because you're a mom with two very young kids and you run a full-time blog. So I know there's a lot going on. So thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to come on. Oh, it's a treat. My pleasure. Um, so before we get started, can you do a little introduction of who you are and what your blog is about? Yeah, thank you. Well, your introduction was delightful, but um, I'd be happy to add a couple little tidbits. My name is Kate, like you mentioned, I manage a blog called The Clean Bee. And that's where I primarily teach others how to create and maintain a clean home using sustainable tools, products, and natural ingredients that are better for your health and better for the environment while still being effective. Um, as you mentioned as well, I'm also a wife and a mom of two small boys. I have a two and a half year old and a four month old. And Again, like you mentioned, I can relate to how you were saying that in a 
cluttered home or a messy home, you might feel more feelings of anxiety. And I relate to that 100%. I learned this about myself a long time ago. I do a lot better when I'm in a clean, organized environment. I think most people can relate. Mm -hmm. I think there's also a saying that's really common called clean home, clear mind, or something like that. Clear home, clean mind, clear mind. One of those. (laughs) And so because I believe a lot of people can relate to that feeling, uh, it has been my mission to share time-saving hacks, cleaning tips, how-tos, tutorials, everything that I can to help other women and men like us uh, and, you know, anyone that can really benefit from a cleaner space without adding stress to their lives. I see a lot of Instagram posts from you um, teaching us how to clean different areas of home, things I never think about cleaning. Today, I was looking through your blog and I learned how to clean my Uggs, which I'm really excited about because I had the same pair of Uggs since uh, I think 10 years ago, I bought a pair of Uggs. I still wear it and it's dirty. (laughs) I need to really clean it. Um, So have you always been interested in, you know, organized home organization and cleaning or is this inspired by your children? It's so funny you ask because I was just finishing up a blog post about, uh, how to create an emergency document or like a important documents binder so that you can grab it and go if you have to in an emergency and put it in a safety securely. And when I was doing that project, I was looking through some older binders of mine from like 2010, 2012. And in those, I had clipped articles from magazines about how to organize your home and things like this. Yes, I was the girl who liked watching Martha Stewart and not so much like the cooking episodes, but definitely like cleaning, organizing those kinds of videos. And um, it was just, I, I think even before I consciously knew it about myself, subconsciously, I always knew that I felt better and I was more productive and had a more clarity of mind when I was in a clean and organized space. It is a very linear way for me to manage any sort of stress and anxiety. If I know where to find all of the things that I may or may not need in my home, then I feel a little bit of calm. Mm -hmm. I think this has been especially the case in, like you were talking about the past year, the past four years, there's been a lot of external stressors that everyone is taking in. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm in those situations where I'm receiving a lot of external stressors that I don't have control of, I really double down on the things I do have control of. And one of those things is my home and creating an environment that feels good for both me and my family. Mm-hmm. Now, does your husband also help you clean or is it this, <laughs> or is this something you have to teach him <laughs> and continuously remind him? He likes to jokingly call himself the clean wasp. Um, (laughs) he's, he's learning. He's definitely gotten so much better. We've been together for close to a decade now and lived together a large majority of that time. And so by proxy, he has definitely picked up on some tricks. Although I will say it is not natural to him necessarily. He's the type of person, which I don't understand personally, who will pull something out of a cupboard, use the thing. And two seconds later, go to put it back in a completely different spot. Like, at least he puts me. it back because my Sends husband would not even put it back. <laughs> he would just leave it. I literally <laughs> I have found socks on the kitchen counter before, like oh, the yeah. most inappropriate yeah. things yes. in the most inappropriate places. Yes. Oh, yes. There are times <laughs> uh-huh, where I'm just like, what process was good? like, you're a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, they don't capable. see it. They don't see it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sometimes they just don't, but they do benefit. He appreciates it when it is, mm-hmm. you know, the room yes. looks good. I'm sure you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it feels good in here. What's, you know, did you like some candles? Yes. And everything's put away. So. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> um, so on your blog, you talk about three home maintenance pillars that you stand by. Can you talk to us what they are? Yes. So we will talk about, so on my blog, I talk a lot about minimalism and that can mean a lot of things for different people. The definition of minimalist is a little bit gray, but basically what I mean by that is just clearing space. So any of the things in your home that are no longer serving you, take a second thought. And maybe those are things that are worth letting go of. And then once you have cleared your space, and so you're left with only the items that serve you, you truly love you know, even Marie kondo if you will, then think about anything that you add to your home. Is that something that is something that can be reused? So instead of 
single use items, which is a very, it's become much more popular, I think, nowadays, the zero waste movement or low waste movement, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Uh, thinking twice before you buy something that would just end up in the trash. And so that can apply to a lot of different cleaning tools and products, most specifically, as well as a lot of other items in your home. And then the third pillar would be natural. So in the case of cleaning, opting for more natural ingredients that are gentler, but still effective in getting the cleaning job done, whatever that might be. And for that reason, we would, or the reason for that is to better for your health and ultimately better for the environment. You're not putting this many harsh Mm -hmm. chemicals into our ecosystem. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the first one, decluttering. This is, I think, where I had the most trouble because whenever I try to declutter, um, I, and I always want to declutter because if you look at my house, there's there's like boxes everywhere. I don't know where my kids' birth certificates are. Like, it's just a mess. But every time I try to declutter, I get overwhelmed because I look at my house and I want to do everything. Right. And on your Instagram, I always see you are always decluttering. You're always rearranging your furniture. Can you share some of your methods to this madness? Because I don't know how you find a time or like, do you start somewhere or how do you start? It's just all the time. (laughs) I think that, and people will pretend like, oh yeah, just do it in a weekend. Whoever does a whole house of decluttering in a weekend, it has to become a lifestyle Mm -hmm. is what I think. So it just is a habit. If you're in your house and you're going around, one of my best tips is this. So this won't be great for mass decluttering, but as you're going through your home throughout your day and whatever else you are up to while you're working, you come across something that you don't need. Join on Facebook right now, go look up Buy Nothing Group and whatever your local city or town is called. And you will most likely find a Buy Nothing Group in your area. What that is, is basically a Facebook group for people who are in your neighborhood that can, where you can post images of items that you no longer want or need. And someone else in your neighborhood can comment on that image and say, Hey, I'm interested in this direct message me and give me your address and I'll come pick it up. I do this all the time. And what's great about it is a couple of things. One, when you donate items to, you know, just a charitable donation location, your items may or may not be able to get resold at that charity, especially, well, we'll talk about off, you know, items that are not really resellable in a second, but that's one thing that can be a little bit tricky is when you're donating to a, like a Mm -hmm. Goodwill or something, for instance, you're not exactly sure what the next step is for all of those items. The other thing is, is that when you're posting something on a buy nothing group, it can be a number of things. So it can be like, you know, a piece of furniture or something like, you know, an old painting that you're no longer interested in displaying on your wall or whatever things that might be resellable at a donation, like a Goodwill, or it can be something like I had a half used um, package of dish sponges, you know, like the ones that attach to uh, those plastic handles Mm -hmm. that hold dish soap in them. Yep. I had gotten rid of that handle a long time ago because I had switched over to a non-plastic version and that one was not serving me anymore. And so I wasn't going to use those extra sponges. That's not something that you can donate. I didn't really want to throw it away. I posted it on this buy nothing group and a neighbor came and picked it up a couple hours later, happily. So that's another, that's a tip that you can just kind of make that part of your lifestyle. Oh, Hey, I don't really need this thing. If it's like, for instance, canned food, even if it's not expired, but your family's never going to eat it you bought too much of it, whatever it is, post that on your buy nothing group. I'm telling you, people will pick these things up. It's not nuts, but fantastic. So these things don't have to go in the trash. Um, that would be one of my best tips, I think. That's a really good tip. And I think we have talked about in a previous episode about how when we donate clothing to Goodwill, mm-hmm. majority of it's getting thrown out, right? You don't see a lot of um, smaller brands that are a Goodwill or, or consignment stores. It's usually all the name brands. So everything else gets in the trash. So that's a really good tip um, to post. And now I didn't know about this buy, buy nothing group. So I'll look it up because 
someone be really happy you have a lot of things to give away <laughs> totally and you can do that as you go you don't have to make a whole big ordeal of it like hey here's a thing i'm just going to commit to or hey i'm going to post five things today and, and that's actually something that i have incorporated um every day now that i've started decluttering in the past year so i have this little pile in in operations we call uh, little piles, um, cabbage patches. So <laughs> they're cabbage patches. They don't really belong anywhere. There's not really a place for them. So my donation pile is my cabbage patch. And that's what I, I need help organizing because when it's overflowing, it just, it doesn't look pretty. And it's usually sitting by the doorway. Do you have any tips for organizing those donation piles so that they're in even places? And so they also are easy for you to organize and then take out when you need to less about organizing your to donate items, unless it's like a situation where you have electronics and you have clothes and you have all these other things that need to go to different types of donation centers. That's yes. one thing. And that's more just diligence about actually taking the thing to your donation mm. place and making that part of your schedule, like an mm -hmm. appointment, if you will. Uh, because otherwise, yes, those things are definitely going to pile up. I have done this myself plenty of times and there is one other thing I will say too. So we've talked a lot about sustainable ways of donating and getting rid of stuff, but here's the other thing. So if your mental health is going to benefit from a cleaner home or cleaner environment and you don't have, and that's a huge blocker for you, for instance, to take things to a donation center or even, you know, to sort through the items of like what to donate, what to sell. Oh my gosh, I could be making so much money off these things. If you have to do one like big throw away of a bunch of stuff, give yourself some grace and then take a note and don't buy things that are going to end up in the trash again. So I think I would focus a little bit less on how to get rid of the stuff because you can throw everything in the trash and then you can be done with it. And then you feel really good because your space is all clean. But the thing that you really need to be diligent about is bringing stuff back in. Mm -hmm. And so having some really good habits around taking a minute before you purchase, like limiting any sort of impulse buys, thinking through, like asking yourself questions can this be found easily secondhand? Could I find it through my buy nothing group or make a request for a neighbor? If they have an extra one of these, do I have to purchase this? Or is it easily found secondhand somewhere? Is it easily, um, could this be reused in multiple ways? Or Ooh. is this an item that is only a single purpose item? Could I, could I get the job done with this product using something I already have? Those kinds of questions are really important to also get in the habit of asking yourself before making new purchases. I have hard time letting go of things. It's this scarcity mm. mindset, which I don't know why I can't get over because it's not like I was ever so poor I didn't have anything, you know, <laughs> but somehow I just cannot get rid of things, even though I know um, I haven't used it in the past two years, right? But there's this idea in my head that's like, okay, maybe I will need it in a few months. And this has happened before where I have gotten rid of something. And then I was looking all over the house and I realized, oh, I got rid of it. And then I'm like, oh no, I should not get rid of these things. And then things just build up. So how do you deal with people that have a scarcity mindset? What kind of advice would you have? That's so common. I think most <laughs> people have that about, you know, maybe some people have it about certain categories of items and other people have it about every type of item. You know, there are people who are afraid to shred paper, for instance, because they're so afraid that oh, I might need this thing. Um, what I would say is when you're getting rid of, or if you're decluttering stuff and you have a maybe pile, for instance, ask yourself the question. And I learned this to give credit where credit is due from um, another blog called The Minimalists mm -hmm. that is, could be helpful resource for anyone listening, but they have a rule called the 2020 rule. And the concept is if you can replace the item for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes, get rid of it. I like that. And give yourself a little peace of mind. So if I could, I can zip down the road to a CVS and replace the scissors that I'm not sure I'm going to need or not need for, you know, it's not maybe the most quote unquote sustainable of habits, but most likely you're not going to need the item. Most likely you're just not. On top of that, if you give yourself that freedom to let go of all these things, then the thought is you will have a more organized space 
left behind such that you know where all the things are. So you're not wasting time searching for the one like pair of scissors in that example that you thought you had or didn't have, or I don't know, did I get rid of this thing? You're not gonna have to go through that experience anymore because you'll be left with just the essentials. Yeah, I think that's the motivation I need because I literally spend so much time looking for stuff all over my house because they're never- What is your time worth to you? Yeah, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a very good tip because I don't think about that. Yes, like whatever 30 minutes, even 10 minutes that you wasted, calculate that out over however many items that you're searching for over the course of a year. And certainly with all the news with- um not news, but new shows like the home edit and different organizational shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the concept of your blog because it's about trying to reuse what you have mm-hmm. instead of going out and buying everything. that's so beautifully coordinated. I love yeah. that. I love a good clean aesthetic. Don't get me wrong. But I was just thinking with some of my friends, why do I have to buy new stuff to make my home organized? And I love the aspect about your blog, having even just u- reusing old shoe boxes. So a really good tip that I learned from you is just repaint something or just tape something over. We use wallpaper, um, old wallpaper or t- contact paper, and then you can make everything uniform if you so chose. Yep. I think that, and this was also true. I don't know if this was your experience, especially in the very beginning of quarantine when people were really taking it seriously as they yes. should <laughs> in the beginning and you were staying at home and you were not leaving to go to a store or anything. And it was very difficult to get shipments on time because there was inundated with orders and things like this. So you have to become very crafty to use what you already have. And so it promotes a sense of creativity as well, which I think is a really healthy muscle to work (laughs) for anyone. And so to your point, I would add on to that, that yes, you don't need to go buy matching plastic containers just to make yourself feel organized. It's like two steps. One, get rid of the stuff you don't need. So you have less stuff to organize, less stuff to clean, more time to spend on other things. And then two, think about, huh, as I'm decluttering, like you mentioned, shoeboxes or these, you know, uh, pasta sauce jars or um, these old, you know, other plastic uh, Tupperware containers that I no longer want to use for food. All these things can be repurposed as tools when you are organizing drawers and other spaces. Speaking of pasta jars, one of the things I've been doing is I'm trying to reuse, you know, glass glass jars um, or glass bottles from, you know, products I purchased from a store. The problem is it's actually adding to my clutter issue because I have Mm -hmm. all of these (laughs) empty jars I've cleaned out and they look beautiful, but they're just taking up all this cabinet space. So how do you determine, because I know you you reuse a lot of um, jars and stuff. How do you determine what to keep and what to, you know, get rid of? Good question. If you don't have space for it, get rid of it. (laughs) I don't have space for anything because I have too much junk here. Taking up space that you would rather have for something that is going to add more value to your life, like Mm -hmm. food, maybe in a pantry or, you know, like other things that you need or a utensil or some sort of appliance that you really want to use or own and you know that you would get a lot of value out of let go of the glass, you know, don't become a glass hoarder just because you are feeling, listen, all of this that we've talked about, there's underlying elements of guilt in a lot of these things. Like, oh, I can't get rid, I can't throw this away because it still could add value to someone. I have to post a picture to the buy nothing group now. Don't let that be a thing to add guilt to your plate. Oh no, I have to donate this thing. Oh no, I should sell this because I paid this much for it. And I know that it's worth this much still. So I would be losing money if I just got rid of the thing or donated it. That's exactly how I feel. That's how I feel too. I have a closet of stuff I'm trying to sell. Oh, come on. (laughs) Who has the time? Who has the time? And frankly, this is an exercise in like, okay, well, if you're going to feel this much guilt in owning the item when it's time to pass it on to the next, you know, owner, don't buy it in the first place, right? Like, okay, well, you know, I'm really only going to invest in items that I know are going to last, like the investment pieces are going to be the ones that are not trendy and whatever else it is. And everything else, I'm going to make sure that I either get secondhand or I can, you know, easily pass on donate without guilt. Uh, So we were talking about keeping plastic or uh, keeping glass jars because you're afraid like, oh, I'm wasting them when I recycle Mm -hmm. them. Let that go. 
and just celebrate the fact that, okay, I made one step towards investing in a glass container and not a plastic container this time. Hmm, true. Okay. So that would be my two cents. So similar question, but now this mm -hmm. is going to single use plastics. Cause again, I yeah. hate anything with single use plastics and you know, with the pandemic and, and staying uh, mm -hmm. sheltering place order, everyone's ordering their food. So I have a ton of delivery containers I'm keeping and, and I re reuse. And I also reuse like plastic straws as well. But mm -hmm. at what point should I stop reusing them? Because I'm, I do have a fear that I know they do get wore down over time. And at mm -hmm. some point I'm afraid some chemicals start leaking out. So how, like, at what point should I be getting rid of these plastic containers? That call supposed to be one time use. I will you, disclaimer: I am not a toxicologist or a scientist, so mm -hmm. my answer to this is really just going to be based on my mom research. Okay, you know that I've done, and so my understanding in the research that I've done is that there, first of all, there are different quality plastics. Mm -hmm. So some of the ones that you're getting in your takeout containers are most likely a thinner, lesser quality plastic that is going to um, wear down more quickly because it has in theory been like sometimes been made from recycled plastics or it's just a lower quality plastic mm -hmm. so that's why it's cheap and easy to get rid of and toss and so on right. um, other plastics are higher quality and so can in theory last longer on top of that I think where you want to be the most careful is if you're storing hot food or heating them up mm -hmm. that's the time in which I would be very you know, a little bit more cautious, or I would just abstain from storing hot food in plastic containers just to be safe. Right. If it's cold and it's, you know, going to be in the plastic container in your fridge for X period of time, and it's not going to be in there for a very long time, just sitting for, you know, you're probably fine and you can let go of any concern and fear. Again, not a toxicologist, not a doctor but this is my approach and my philosophy and how I handle those things. But even beyond that, Yan, let go of the plastic. If it's causing more clutter, like just recycle it, let it I'm go. I'm trying to be stay. more funny to the planet, but I not know. to my house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what, what good are, it's like the whole, this is so cheesy to even reference, but it is true. It's the whole, like, put on your ma oxygen mask before the ones of others. If you're living in a home that's causing you stress and anxiety and um, making you feel less productive, what good are you going to be if you're in that state of lower productivity and higher stress to the people around you, which is, you know, extremely important. And on top of that, if you're less productive, how much more of an impact are you going to have on helping the environment as well? That's very true you know, things to think about. So it's like weighing like my mental health or this one plastic container that I, you know, invested in because we're in a pandemic and this is the only way that I can support my local restaurant right now. Yeah, I know. I just feel so bad with every, all of these single use plastics during the pandemic right now. I just see like masks oh, wow. everywhere on the ground and like gloves well, and it's there just are like- things that we can do that can, we can still operate in today's world but minimize some of that excess. So for instance, you mentioned the straws, just say, oh, no straws, you know, preference your order. No straws, no utensils, no napkins. I don't need any of that. Uh, no plastic bags if I don't have to have them. Um, places right now are, if I don't think any are allowing you to bring your own takeaway containers that they can fill. I know, I wish um, we can. It's just... And it's yeah. not safe right now. So yeah. that's that's just the situation that we're in. And we can all be grateful that we have the disposable option to keep ourselves healthy for now. And then once this is less of a concern, then we all go back to, okay, let's be really uh, diligent about bringing our own containers to restaurants if we want to take away and so on. And just give ourselves a little grace. There's enough stuff to be concerned about. That's my philosophy. That's true. I'm going to adopt that philosophy and start getting rid of my, I literally have a drawer, like a huge drawer of plastic containers that I can barely open. <laughs> oh my gosh. And if you're not using them, let them go. Take 
your favorite ones, keep them, or even better yet, like something that I've done in the past is baking cookies for neighbors and mm-hmm. using those as a you know, way to deliver some baked goods to some neighbors. And right. Buy- so I do do that right now. I think I have like 50 containers. It's like, I don't have 50 friends to deliver things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let them go. Let them go. You can recycle and just be free. Okay. <laughs> I will do that. You're very good at this. You should start a consulting business. Of just <laughs> let me see, let me into your home and into your life. And I will be that yes, no, that angel on your shoulder that helps you, that helps you make those decisions. I do phone calls. If anyone wants to help, I I do that. You heard it here. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You have, I just have so many questions because you are such a wealth of knowledge and in this space and other spaces. And part of, part of my questions are actually when you decided you were going to become a mom had, and you living this lifestyle, what did you do about diapers Mm. and and baby wipes, which are so traditionally single use? Yes. Oh, such a good question. Okay. So I went the disposable route. Here's the reason why. There are a couple of reasons. They are more for sanity reasons, I guess you could say. So uh, when I had my first son, I was working full-time in corporate career. I was also trying to build a clean bee on the side at that point in time. I was not full-time with a clean bee yet. And also, you know, just adjusting to motherhood and trying to stay a doting wife and a good daughter, a good friend good sister, all of the roles that, you know, women, especially women who are mothers have to, there's a lot of pressure there. Mm -hmm. So my perspective was, I loved the idea of cloth diapering. If I was to be home with my child full time for six months, even if I had that type of maternity leave, it probably would have been worth the investment. And I would have purchased them secondhand because there's a lot of people that sell cloth diapering supplies secondhand. And also um, the first however many months up until a baby is eating solid foods, their poop is water soluble. So you can just toss that straight into the washing machine without having to deal with, you know, all the cleanup that would come once they are eating solid foods, which is a big barrier for a lot of people. I think folks are intimidated by that part. And so if I knew that I was going to be able to reuse like a bunch of newborn to six month diapers for that period of time, I would have definitely gone that route. I was not in that situation. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to pick more, you know, sustainable food, baby food. I would, that was like more important to me. I was like, okay, I can make purees on my own and do all this stuff more sustainably, low waste, zero waste, and then, um, send my baby to daycare with, uh, disposable diapers and just do my best to research brands that felt like they had, um, better for you materials and um, more ethical practices in their production. That makes sense because we also want to support those companies that are making those changes forward too, so that it mm-hmm. becomes more affordable and you can have better options for, for everyone else out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like no guilt. So if, if there's a mother listening and they're like, oh man, I should have cloth diapered because that's, you know, less waste in the environment and diapers are so terrible waste wise, let it go it's okay. You can choose, do your best in other categories. If that's something that's too intimidating for you, it's okay. You don't have to, if that's something you're really fired up to try, fantastic, go all in. And so that was the choice that I made personally. Yvonne and I were talking about this other day because I has sent her um, like an ad for cloth, paper, towels. paper towels, right? Mm-hmm. And then she responded with cloth toilet paper. And I was like, I got the line at poop. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea. It is a good idea. I did think it was a good idea. I just wasn't sure. They said specifically for anyone listening, um, we'll we'll come up with the the link, but it's Martley's, Martley's paper towels. And they they come in a roll and you can throw the whole roll. You can tear it. You can put it back together into your washing machine. But they specifically said the toilet paper was to accompany a bidet. So Mm -hmm. there was- Oh, I didn't read that part. That makes sense. it, It does. To, but yes, but there's, you still come to the same problem, right? Because we, we are adults and our poop is different from babies. <laughs> so there is, you do come to a point. <laughs> Listen, dealing with kids underwear with skip marks on there, that's, that's enough for me. I don't need any more than that. But also again, I see 
I, I agree with you to a point, but also I think now that being a mom and you're cleaning up after pee and poop all the, t- all the time, yeah, it's like so much less of a thing now, you know, if you have to wash some pee soaked fabric, you know, <laughs> that is true. Plus I have two dogs. One of my dogs got sick over a uh, holiday period and like had diarrhea for two weeks and uh, for one week and my husband and I were waking up at 2 a.m to clean diary on our pocket so our carpet so yeah poop doesn't bother me I had to say it didn't bother me (laughs) that much but still I don't think I want to clean my husband's (laughs) toilet paper (laughs) and it's a lot of this is also societal conditioning that like that's gross um whereas there were times when that was normal and now I mean yeah, I grew up on cloth diapers. Actually, in in China, uh, a lot of times babies they don't wear their their the the babies don't wear any diapers. Their pants are crotchless, so the butt is completely open. <laughs> so oh, they just go through. So before, when I was pregnant with Sophie, my first daughter, my family in Shanghai sent me a care package, and all of the pants are like without a butt. <laughs> that was like I can't have this in America. They can just walk around with their butt hanging out. But oh that goodness. also helped with potty training because they were able to yeah. see when their kids, their babies are going to the bathroom. Yeah. So like all their kids are potty trained within like the first six months. Like they're, they're, they can like show yep. like signs and stuff. Um, whereas, you know, my kids didn't get potty trained until like three or four. <laughs> these things, I'm telling you, and then it's so funny how these things that were so normal at one point in our history are now coming back as these, you know, almost trendy things so like what you just described there's a whole movement called elimination communication I believe that's what it's called and so it's where women teach one another how to help follow the signals that their babies give them when they do have to go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. and like you said they can do some sign language and stuff like that to teach their children how to warn them like oh it's time to go to the potty even before they can crawl or walk yeah it's interesting I don't know that you know yeah, my cousin used to ask me, are babies in America different? Why do they take so long to body train? No, we just have been marketed. Yeah. It's all like, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole, especially <laughs> with baby and kid stuff and what's best for your baby. And there was a time when formula was like the thing and you were lesser of a mom if you were breastfeeding because formula was superior. And now it's almost flipped the opposite way where women are feeling guilty for giving their oh, children yeah. formula. And when I was pregnant, uh, when I had a baby, women were shamed if you want to give your yeah. child formula. Which is also like, what? That's yeah. a direction. <laughs> we need to swing that pendulum back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting. Um, so another thing I want to talk to you about is you're really big on making your own homemade cleaning solutions that are toxic free, right? And I actually I purchased your um, I think it's called like green cleaning guide. Yeah, um, that you are selling. I purchased that, downloaded. It. I have not made anything yet because <laughs> 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 I don't. I just don't have the time right now. But if a busy mom tells you, "Hey, Kate, I only have time to make three solutions. What are the top three solutions you think we should replace within our home?" I'll give you one. Okay. Even easier. This is so easy. It seems like it wouldn't work. Basically, all you need is water and dish soap to clean almost anything in your entire house. There are some exceptions, obviously, and there are some situations where you're going to have an extreme mess that you're going to need a little bit more oomph to get behind it. But if you were to fill like a 16 ounce spray bottle almost to the top with water, if it is filtered water, even better. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of drops are like less than a teaspoon, like an eighth of a teaspoon of dish soap. Oh, all you that's need. it. You go up to a teaspoon, I guess, but then it could get a little bit um, soapy, a little bit soapy, depending on what type of dish soap that you're using, how sudsy it is. And that can be used on almost any surface safely. So that can be used on countertops. It can be used on, I use that solution on cabinet fronts. So the fronts of your cabinets Mm -hmm. on my walls, which might come as a surprise to people. If your space just looks a little bit dingy, walls and baseboards, tackle those, especially in a bathroom, Mm -hmm. talking about bathroom stuff. Uh, You can use it on your floors and you can use it in your bathroom, like shower and stuff like that. Like I said, there are other solutions that you can make that might have require a little bit less elbow grease, but that's sufficient. And then the tools that you use it with is really what's going to help you the most. So we can talk about microfiber for a second. I use microfiber. I have for a long time, primarily because I invested in microfiber cloths 
a long time ago before I started even learning about microplastics and things like this that people are concerned about when you are cleaning or washing your microfiber cloths or any sort of like performance fabric in your washing machine. So to summarize what the concern is, is that when you are washing these kinds of synthetic fabrics in your washing machine, there are microplastics that will leach out of the fabric, that synthetic fabric that is going to end up in our water systems. And so there are scientists that are doing a lot of research on this and you can learn about it more um, if you were to search it online, but they're finding trace evidence of that in like sea life that eventually will circle back to us that we're consuming and other animals are consuming and mm-hmm. that can impact everybody's health and you know ecosystem and such. And it's, it's a, it could become a really big problem if we aren't careful about it. With that said, there are really awesome tools that you can invest in that will minimize the amount of microplastics that are going into the water when you are washing these things. That could be one option. The thing is, microfiber cloths really just work the best <laughs> when you're cleaning something. So in an effort to, there's like pros and cons to everything. So we've talked a lot of examples about like where you can feel guilty and where you're going to make up for that guilt. Here's one where I weigh the pros and cons. Microfiber is less good for the environment than say a cotton cloth or towel, which I use as well in a lot of cleaning tasks, but microfiber is going to work a little bit better. And if this aids you in getting rid of say investing in overwhelming supply of paper towels that are one packaged in plastic packaging and two shipped all over, you know, (laughs) has to be, uh, first produced and um, then shipped to whatever place that you're purchasing it from, that has a big environmental impact as well. So all of this is to say that if you were to use one product in your home, that is a very simple recipe, fill up a spray bottle with a bunch of water, add a little just soap, use that on anything in your house, use it with a microfiber cloth. If you want to use a little bit of less elbow grease and see better results, otherwise use a cotton cloth and you're good to go. Now, why do you like microfiber the best for cleaning? It just grabs stuff as you're going. So I have kind of a two-step approach when I'm cleaning as far as like what cleaning tools to use. Because I was raised in a paper towel household. I don't know about you guys, where I I legitimately, when I became an adult, I was like, I don't even know, like, how do you, with a cloth, like how many times do you reuse it? And do you have to like clean it in between? I don't really know. Like, do you set it to dry before you wash it? I don't really know. And how, how do I wash it? And how often, how long does it last? All these questions I had to like learn. Right. <laughs> um, and we can talk more about the nuances of cloth cleaning versus paper towel cleaning, but here's what I do. I have a number, like a pack of 24, I think I invested in just white towels that are, you know, small bar mop size towels. And when I'm cleaning any sort of surface, primarily in like kitchens, bathrooms, tabletops, I'll use those. I'll get them wet with just a little bit of water and I'll use those to grab up any sort of crumbs or grime if it's sticky or whatever it is on that surface to kind of do an initial like wipe down. Mm-hmm. And then I go in with whatever cleaning solution that I'm going to use, whether it's that, you know, gentle all-purpose cleaning solution that I just described, or if it's something like I also use a vinegar cleaning solution a lot to cut through grease. It's just one part vinegar, one part water. You can choose to add essential oil to that if you would like, you don't have to. And um, spray that on the surface, let it sit for a little while to get make sure it actually does most of the cleaning for you and then wipe up with a microfiber to kind of polish things off. So it will just grab anything else. It also leaves surfaces a lot more polished and it just does a better job of cleaning. There's less residue left behind when you're using microfiber than when you are using cotton. So what I do right now is I cut up my old towels into smaller mm-hmm. pieces and I use them to clean. Great. And the problem is they get really dirty. And even when I wash them, you know, they still, they're, they don't come out white anymore. Do you use bleach or is bleach off the table? No, I'm not anti-bleach. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people are really nervous about bleach because mm-hmm. it's, harsher chemical and you're not supposed to touch it and all you know it's a scary thing because there are precautions that you have to take you have to ventilate your space and all of these things I own bleach I use it sparingly but I will use it it is a very effective way of sanitizing cloth Mm -hmm. and surfaces the end so if if you need to do that if say a family member's really sick and you need to clean the bathroom after they've been sick for a while or you need to wash their sheets after they've been sick Bleach is not a bad thing to use in order to kill any of those germs such that you keep the rest of your family healthy. With that said, 
don't go overboard. You don't have to use it on everything all the time. I've seen people doing that too, that are really bleach happy. That's not necessary either. It's just a bit of moderation. So just have a bottle of bleach ready. If you need to use it, you can. If not, you don't have to. With all that said, with my towels, I primarily will go when I wash them every single week, I will use the sanitize cycle on my washing machine. And I usually will just add OxyClean, uh, which okay. is like an oxygen bleach, yeah. which is different than a chlorine bleach. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, maybe once a month, I'll use a chlorine bleach and run them on that cycle as well. Um, but usually I'll use like an OxyClean or like a, you know, there's a lot of brands that have a lot of claims that they're better for you, better for the environment, these kinds of things. They're, they all work pretty well. I think okay. Molly Suds is one that's really popular. They have an oxygen bleach that works well. Okay. That's good, good to, to know. know. Yeah. I use um, Laundress. Laundress has an, a bleach mm, alternative yeah, they do. powder and I like that one. Yeah. It works really well for me. <laughs> yeah. They have fantastic products. If you want to be a little bougie with your laundry products, I love Is that bougie? <laughs> I mean, they're, they like market themselves to be the fancy. Yes. <gasps> yes. If you have fancy clothes and you want fancy laundry um, products to go with it, they are an excellent. Now, what do you think about companies like Blue Line for like Blue Land? Blue Line. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, um, or the Blue Line, Blue Line, Blue Land, Yvonne. Oh, Blue Land. Is Blue it Blue Land? Where yeah. it's concentrated or it's powdered? Yeah. So and you can make the um, cleaning solution yourself at home. Yeah. Do you think that's a good alternative for you know busy parents that may not have time to to make their own solution? It doesn't take any more time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion. With that said, if you really love the idea of using a concentrated solution because you're afraid, like, oh, vinegar, that's not going to clean enough, which it will, you can use those. And I have tried some, you know, Grove has sent me some that I, I really enjoyed. My mother, I converted her away from Windex and now she uses Grove and she loves it. And their concentrated cleaning products are really nice and they smell good and they're pretty effective. I haven't used a ton of others, but I'm not against them. I just don't think that if the reason for using them is to save time, that's not a reason that I think okay. is. Speaking of windows, is vinegar and water okay? Like, is, does that clean windows or are those windows need a special cleaning solution? Oh, there are a lot of recipes that you could, that people will say are the best way to clean windows. And I've tried a lot of them. So vinegar and water is good. Yes. And that's one that I have used often. Um, if you do that, make sure your water is either distilled water or filtered water for best results. Mm-hmm. So you don't leave like that mineral mineral um, residue behind. Residue. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I, like I said, I have a four month old. So my <laughs> don't blame me. I remember those days. Taking a toll on my eloquence. Um, yes. So that works. Also, people will say using um, alcohol. So like an isopropyl alcohol mixed with, again, distilled or filtered water is really good. Or you can do a combination of all three, which is what I also use to clean my laminate floors, where you mix one part vinegar, one part isopropyl alcohol, and one part distilled water. And that is also effective on windows. Mm -hmm. So anything vinegar or alcohol with a little bit of water you're pretty much going to end up with good results. Okay. I always keep a bottle of vinegar um, underneath the cabinet just for that case. <laughs> there you go. Vinegar is such an important uh, ingredient that can be used to clean so many things. It's distilled vinegar, right? White distilled vinegar? I, I use distilled white okay. vinegar. Yes, yes. Um, I should, yes, white vinegar. You're not going to want to use like a balsamic vinegar. Oh my gosh. My window's black. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this, this girl's an idiot. <laughs> she told me to clean with vinegar. This is awful. <laughs> And guys, like for any of our listeners, white vinegar, if no one's ever bought it before, it's very reasonably priced. When so I bought cheap. this huge when I bought this huge bottle, I was like, wow, this is ac- this is cheaper than Windex. This is cheaper than a lot of the other typical products you would use or even think yeah. about. Even baking soda, right? To help clean your home and to help get a lot of the grime and dirt out of out of pans, out of baking pans. Since Yan and I cook a lot, that is definitely mm-hmm. something that helps get a lot of the extra burnt stuff um, off your pans. So that's another, another really good tip as well. <laughs> I use that every day. In fact, one thing that I would recommend on to add to that is buy, or you can repurpose things for this, uh, some sort of shaker can 
like um, a dredge can or something like that, that has perforated holes at the top. You could even repurpose an old spice mm -hmm. jar, for instance, and put your baking soda in that. So it's really easy to just oh, grab yeah. and shake it onto say a pan or something. Well, I keep one next to my sink and I use it to in my sink to use a little bit of that abrasive power. It helps whiten a porcelain sink and also it helps clean, you know, a stainless steel sink, any sort of sink. But yeah, certainly with stainless steel pots and pans, sprinkle some baking soda in there with a tool like that and it will save you some time and headache. Oh, that's, that's a, a good great idea. idea. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good idea. Yeah, no, I've just been taking a spoon mm -hmm. and just shaking <laughs> onto things. Which works. <laughs> but it's like one extra step and then you have mm -hmm. to get the spoon dirty. And so yeah. that's kind of a Plus bummer. I have too, all these so. empty containers. There you, go. <laughs> you have quite a few yet. Hey, you know what? Just put some holes in one of those lids and I'll call it a good you day. <laughs> That would be great. Thank you. <laughs> and in fact, you could probably sell them, Yan. Just do a DIY just, yeah. mason jar shaker lid. Yeah, buy nothing group I yet. have three boxes of jars. <laughs> you know what? I I bet I'm you sure. Someone will yeah, them. I put like um like those like empty boxes on Craigslist or on Facebook before, yes. and people take it right away. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, incredible though. Yeah. So, do you have a cleaning schedule, or do you just clean throughout the day, or do you dedicate like a certain day to do a deep clean, like once a month, and then? the rest of the time you just clean through all the day? Like what's your cleaning schedule look like? I wish I had a really beautiful answer for you because the, the real answer would be, or the honest answer I should say is it depends. It depends on what's going on in my family. And, you know, if my husband's traveling for work once upon a time, that was a thing. And, you know, what my uh, childcare looks like for the week or the month and when I can fit things in. Most of the time, especially right now, it is more of a, if I see it and I have a minute hands-free where no child needs me and no husband's bothering me, I can just get a bunch of stuff done really fast. So I also find ways to multitask in order to keep things clean. What are some good examples? Let me think. Um, I've been taking a language course while well, well, cleaning. That's so that's there a good one. Or podcasting. I listen to right. podcasts right. a lot. Yeah. Podcasts. Yes, yeah. that, those are common. Listening to, yes, all of those things. So you can kind of learn as you go. But even like, okay, here's one. For example, um, cleaning my shower. And I just posted about this on my Instagram recently. I hate cleaning the shower. I think it's a big bummer of a chore, but it makes it a lot easier when I just put my shower cleaning spray that I just have in a spray bottle in my shower and a scrub brush. And when I'm taking a shower and it looks kind of dirty, I spray it down while I'm in there, scrub it, and then enjoy my nice clean shower as I wash my hair. You know, these are things that like, okay, it takes me one minute of time to get this job done. And it's like the mental energy that I waste dreading mm -hmm. the chore. That's me is takes yeah. so much more time than just doing the thing. That's genius. Yeah. So it's like tricking <laughs> but you're myself. Also saving the mm -hmm. water that you're using as well. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking yeah. about. There you go. It's, yes, it's true. All of these things. And then you know, you're you get it done and you get to enjoy a nice clean shower. So that's an easy one. If you're giving your kids a bath, that's when you clean their bathroom. Oh God, that's a good idea because I don't my kids bathroom, Just I'm keep scared the of going products. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the trick you store the tools that you need for that room in that room so have even if you get eight ounce like smaller mm -hmm. spray bottles and you just you know refill those with whatever cleaning uh, solution that you choose store those in that room with a couple of towels and have like a laundry system ready to go and get it done when they're in there you don't even have to think twice or prepare ahead of time because that's another barrier for a lot of folks myself included yeah so I get, I just have developed a lot of systems and hacks that help save me time. And also another one is checklists. So this sounds a little bit militant perhaps for some people. And some people are really not checklist people and other people are really pro checklist. I have to be the latter um, for not only myself, but also because if no one has picked up on this already. I tend to like, I like control mm -hmm. of things, my space. I like to, I like to do things a certain way and other family members, my <laughs> husband, uh, don't always clean the way yeah. that I want them to clean, but I'm not a superhuman person. So I can't 
keep up with everything. You know, this is 50, 50 household. We are both in this marriage and we were both in this house. And so we both pick up, you know, some of the slack and some things I'm better at. I take more of and vice versa, but here's the thing. Checklists are a good way. If there's an instance where I might be overwhelmed with work stuff or my, you know, I don't have the time to get to X, Y, Z thing. I can just say, Hey, can you do the checklist in the bathroom for me this week? That would be really a big help. And he's usually happy to do it. And then it makes me have the peace of mind that he's not going to skip a step (laughs) and he's going to know like, what are all the, cause he's just going to wipe down the countertops, the mirrors Mm -hmm. and call it good. You know, like we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, sometimes husbands are tidy and sometimes they're not naturally. A checklist makes me have that peace of mind that he's going to get the job done the way that I would like him to get it done. And he doesn't have to, you know, ask questions or worry or whatever it is along the way he's kind of guided. So it's a good way to quote outsource to people within your own household. I like that. I'm going to make a checklist for Sable because if I tell him to clean the bathroom, all he does is wipe down the counter. He's like done. And he's playing video games. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. You you said that you you downloaded that green cleaning guide that I sent you. There are checklists okay, in there. I'll just print, print them. Out. them. Yeah, just print one for a room or something, and that can be <laughs> Sable's room or whatever you experiment. <laughs> Those are the checklists that I use. Great, I'll print those house. out because yeah, he needs to be reminded every two seconds, and you know, and then he's like, "Stop nagging me." <laughs> I know, and you don't want to be a nag or a micromanager, like hovering yeah. over his shoulder, like, "Oh, you missed a spot," or "Oh, that was the wrong cleaner to use on that <laughs> thing," like here's a perfect guide that all you have to do is read and follow <laughs> and there's no extra thought required or decision making required that you know no room for creativity on your part i'll report back if he actually follows the guide <laughs> yeah good luck yeah some people might be more obedient than others <laughs> and all these habits that we're talking about i'm now a clean person and i lead the the cleaning strategy at home but i didn't used to be like that you're talking to reformed messy slob (laughs) and it is and if anyone else is out there thinking that same way like oh my gosh i'm in a situation where how do you get started it's honestly one step at a time it's one step at a time just just like for sabo and just like for yan and even even malenka i i told them hey just focus on doing the dishwasher properly taking it in taking it out and having clean dishes and so once he gets that straight then he can move on to something else and i'm with him like every step of the way watching videos there's so many more videos now to be honest i don't really know how i how i learned if it because we didn't have videos i think i had friends teach me so i embarrassing let people probably see my messy house and then people had to show me the really good the really good tips and i learned from others and so you sharing your tips and just being that influence is, is such a positive thing because you make it seem easy with these small steps these are not big you know it's not a big deal it's okay like don't don't worry don't guilt yourself it's gonna be okay <laughs> Well, that was very kind, Yvonne. I'm excited that you are now yeah, a clean person. It, well, I mean, especially when it comes to recycling, which yeah, knows I, I didn't used to be like that. I, I really did, especially when when I think when I was growing up, we were a paper towel household. We when we would wash our hands with just like soap and water, we would use paper towels to that right, to that degree. And, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And so you're shaking your head, yes. Like it's it's a very common thing. And I think that now there's just a lot more options, right? Like there's a lot more towel options. And I I now see like what's in my house and I have a lot more control of that. Whereas before my parents just had no idea. They had no idea. So they couldn't teach me those habits as well. Mm-hmm. So like now you and Yan can teach your children the proper habits and it's not going to be a problem for them anymore. They are so lucky. <laughs> and we ourselves as a society can teach our generation what's the next step moving forward and then make them easier going forward and forward and then we can build that better society together because it's community effort everyone's got to take little steps together definitely and home ec was oh yeah yeah i wish they would bring that back no one taught me i exactly so people just didn't learn at least in our generation i don't know anyone who was taught this in school or formal education of any kind so that was another motivation for me to create the blog and share everything that i learned that is actually Mm -hmm. effective you know, all the success stories so that hopefully it can help someone else. Yeah. And I know we're at time and you, I want you to get back to your, your two little babies. I just have one last question. <laughs> at what point do you start your sure. sons with this cleaning education journey? Immediately. I, I mean, 
as soon as they can listen and understand how even a little Florida? bit. He's two and a half. And the kid knows how to wash a window. He knows how to put Incredible. away his toys. He knows how to sweep a floor. He's not good at all these things. I will say this. So don't expect like, yeah, I'm not, my two-year-old is right. not efficient, like effective when he's cleaning all these things, but it's mm-hmm. about building those habits. At least that's what I tell myself. So if he's starting, he knows how to put the laundry from the washer into the dryer. There are little things that any time that I'm doing a home maintenance or cleaning or any sort of task that I think that he can help with at least one step in that process, I include him. So my hope is that by the time he's, you know, five, six, 10 years old, he's very capable of taking care of his own laundry, taking care of his own room. And when he is capable of those things, he will be responsible mm-hmm. for those things. My kids, I do everything. And my yeah. Sophie's 10 now. The only thing she can do is fold her laundry and she buried it. Her closet's a mess, you know? So like I really need to include them. Yeah. But I think the biggest, my challenge is because I have so little time when they do something, they take mm-hmm. 10 times longer. And it I'm just like, patience. let me just do it myself. Yeah. yeah. They don't so, do it well. I need to be better yeah. because it's really yeah. important education for them. And if their clothes, they fold, you know, quote unquote, fold their own clothes and put it in their drawer and it doesn't look the way it should look, like leave it. That's another thing, like let it go. It's their room. It's their clothes. If they're going to have a couple of wrinkles on their clothes, that's, they're going to be okay. And so will you, but at least they are empowered to know that they did that themselves and then they can continue to do that themselves. And the practice makes perfect, right? Okay. Thank you so much, Kate, for coming on the podcast. Um, Can you let our audience know where they can find your blog? Yes, a cleanbee.com. Follow me on, yeah, the blog. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at a clean bee and uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, it's all those places. A clean bee. YouTube. Okay. And a we'll link bee. that in the show notes That's as well. It. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. This was such a treat. You guys are great. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Very, very, I am inspired now. So I will report back. <laughs> I'm going to go make those clean. Yeah, I'm I will gonna follow up back. with you. I'm going to start decluttering. I really, really need it. Um, so thank you so much for sharing audio tips. Thank you. My Have pleasure. a great night. Thanks, you too. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.